My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited about today's podcast episode. I have got Charity with me, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you, but I saw her on Instagram and was so fascinated by the work that she's doing. So welcome, Charity. And I would love for you to just tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you so much, first of all, just for having me. I'm so excited to be here. But I'm Charity. I have two little ones and a wonderful husband, but I have a three-year-old and a 17-month-old. So that right there should tell you a lot about where I am. And But I've been doing massage therapy for the past 12 years. And then when I had my first, who's now three, she was the typical colicky baby. And I just knew that she needed body work. And I knew some massage that I had taken for specifically infant massage, but it wasn't like the answer. And I just knew that there was something else. And so she was like my driving force to find out what was going on with her system and how could I help her. And then it's blossomed into, okay, now I want to help every baby. And it's been really fascinating to see how her life started out. And she didn't have CFT off from the back. And then how my son, who is 17 months, how his life has started out and he did have it pretty much off the bat. So it's just been a really incredible journey to see with both my kids in front of me and then to be able to help other moms, which helps with world tension, gut issues, gassiness, sleep, all the things that are wrapped into like colicky babies and why they cry. So I want to back up a little bit. Tell my listeners, they're probably like, what is CFT? Tell them what CFT is. That's totally fair. I always forget that because it just becomes so natural to me, but it is craniosacral fascial therapy. So a lot of people have heard of CST, which is craniosacral therapy, but this actually touches on the fascia. So I think of fascia as like saran wrap over our entire body. So if we have this one piece of saran wrap over our entire body, when there is tension in a certain area, it's going to pull across the entire body. So I've done body work on babies that have had oral tension, but even just starting and working on their hips have helped open up their latch and opened up tension through the, you know, 
the mouth is sucking oral tension. So it's been really incredible to see that. But that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea for those who don't know what fascia is, what I'm specifically working on, and how it impacts the entire body. Yeah. The What you're saying is for these newborns and these babies, that strain in the fascia or the, the I guess it would be, what would you call it? That's it causes a lot of different issues that you would never think is related to that strain. So that's so fascinating. And one of the topics that we have been really focused on lately inside of my pregnancy and postpartum membership is tongue tie and lip tie. And it's really crazy because I feel like there's been so many mamas lately in my community that's dealing with this in some form of fashion. And they're running into a lot of roadblocks when it comes to resolving it. And so I'm really excited to delve into that as well. So do you think that only babies who have some sort of issue need to have this done? Or do you think all babies? I'm I think all babies need it, honestly. Of course, I end up seeing most babies who do have things going on. That's when moms really come to me. But it is starting to happen where people are pre-booking me too because they're like, they're seeing what I do and all of the things that can be stressful, even like a birth story and how that can impact a baby right from the start. If you think about how we might push for a really long time or even a short period, how that might affect their fascia, their muscles, their body, and how unwinding that per se can help them. So I have moms now that have seen my Instagram and are pre-booking before their babies are even here. And then once it gets closer, then I'm able to jump in, work on them. So now I'm getting to work on them a few days old, which is amazing. They just unwind so beautifully in even that first session when they're so fresh. It's amazing. Yeah, my husband and I were having this conversation actually a couple nights ago because we were talking about the difference. I'm older, obviously, and I have older children. I did have one late in life, so he's younger. But there's a huge difference in this initiative that women are taking to for different types of care during pregnancy, postpartum, and for their newborns. Because when I was pregnant and I had babies, it was just like, this is how it is. You're going to be uncomfortable. Baby's going to cry. These are the things. And I love that a lot of my students, and we provide expert workshops in our community for our pregnancy and postpartum mamas. And... We have chiropractors, we have therapists, we have massage therapists and public floor therapists and all these things. And I'm like, you guys are amazing because they're taking initiative and they're not just saying, oh, this is just how it is. So we were talking about chiropractic care for a baby. And I love how this plays in to these babies are like scrunched in a weird little position for 40 weeks, hopefully. And it makes sense that they need to be, like you said, a little unwinding done because I know if I sleep in one position for 45 minutes during the night, like my shoulder might hurt or my back or what have you. So I love that. Would you say that you would recommend also combining that with chiropractic care as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I think they go hand in hand, especially if you're already doing chiropractic care to be able to work on the fascia and the muscles so that a an adjustment actually sticks and holds better because the muscles and the fascia will continue to pull it out of place if it's not unwound. 
So I definitely think they go hand in hand. I actually, my office is inside a chiropractor's office. So I absolutely love that, that she's right there. So I tell. So do they combine that first appointment? Is it sometimes you, the both of you, or is it? In a perfect world, I would love that, but we are both so busy. And I mean, I have all of January booked already, which is wild to me that my business has grown so much in the last year to be able to say that. But in a perfect world, I would love that. It's just about scheduling and making that happen. Okay. Okay. So I know that when I was doing some research about having you on here today that you said definitely everyone should do it. Like all babies should have this. But are there specific situations or birth situations or pregnancy situations that you're like, this is a must that you should do this? So can you expand on that? I think tough birth stories is a good start, even if it is a C-section that is planned. The baby doesn't go through this natural unwinding in the canal. So to be able to work on a baby that has had a C-section birth, you get to see them naturally go through these motions and you would be able to yeah. say, oh, I know exactly what she's talking about. For yeah. our listeners, it, um, what's the wording that I'm looking for? I My mind is going blank, but it is the natural unwinding that happens right in the birth canal. I think that explains it because there is okay. <laughs> I, it, what's so amazing. And for those of you guys listening, I am a Christian. I am a believer. And for me, every single birth, when you're talking about this natural unwinding, there are motions and movements that each newborn goes through at that end where if you're standing on the side that I'm on where I'm seeing it, you can see these movements of the head and as they adjust to the birth canal and they move through the birth canal. And that's what you're talking about. But to me, because it happens routinely or I don't know what you want to call it, it is so beautiful. I can't tell you how many births I've teared up, but that was just a side note. So anyhow. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So I think that is a great start to who might need it but then you also go into yeah birth trauma if a mom has a really hard story that baby probably needs some work because if we're having a hard time with it chances up there it's their story too and I think it's really important that we Don't need to share a story with everyone. I totally understand that. But to recognize, because sometimes I feel like we block it out, which I understand. I've totally been there. That we block it out, but it's also their story. So to recognize that it was a hard birth, because I feel like society just says, as long as your baby is here and they're healthy, then it doesn't, it's fine. And that's great, but that doesn't validate us and it doesn't validate their story. So to find a safe space and providers that can help us through that journey and through that process, not just for ourselves, but also for our babies, I think is really important to think about. And then you go into oral tension right off the bat. Some of these babies do have tongue ties and breastfeeding issues right off the bat and they're getting released. There are some that I have seen getting released within 24 hours, which I personally do not love. There are situations where I think that tongue may be completely tied to the floor, but most of the time um, 
I don't feel like it's a case where they need to be within 24 hours. I would love to see them do body work before and after a release first, because if we can unwind the fascia, then we can actually see what is tense under there, what is holding the tongue down, but we have to get past the fascial tension first and helping the body unwind. So when you do get that release, it actually holds better too, because you got underneath all of the tension, if that makes sense. Yeah, but um, let's let's just be real. You and I both know that the people who are doing the release, the experts who do that are not on board with that. I would say I think that's changing, at least in our city. I have a lot of them now referring to me. The okay. problem is I don't think a lot of, of them are referring to me before. It's more after, which that's, is That's great. what I meant. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is some of them, they go in for a consultation and they're going to do it that same day. And they don't want moms to have to drive back out. They don't want them to have the baby back in. They know this baby needs it. And mom's exhausted. So, and mom's exhausted. But moms are also being put in a situation where some of them have no idea what they're up against. The stretches that they're going to be doing are, is mom mentally ready for something like this? I think waiting, if you can, doing body work and being able to wait a couple weeks can make a world of difference, even on our own mental health. And again, if the situation really depends on what that baby needs and how feeding is going, an oral assessment from an IBCLC, that's where I think that matters so much. Yeah, I was just about to say, there's a couple things I want to address that you said. Let me go back a little bit. You were saying that, yeah, not all women want to talk about their birth trauma, but I'm going to jump in here just because I do have a really powerful pregnancy and postpartum membership where I've had the honor of spending, we have what we call a postpartum happy hour, which we need to rename it because it's like a postpartum emotional hour, I'm going to say. We meet via Zoom. And I've had the honor and Taylor, my doula, and the rest of my team where we spend an hour to two hours with these postpartum moms. And as a labor and delivery nurse, it's been the first time that I've spent so much significant time with a mama through her postpartum journey. And so I would say there is power in being able to share your birth trauma story without filtering it, without making it sound the way you think someone wants to hear or making it because a lot of us when we have something go wrong in our birth, people will say things like you're healthy and baby's healthy and what more could you ask for? That's a bullshit thing to say because there's a lot more to ask for because your birth story changes you forever. It's with you forever. And so if you leave it feeling traumatized, I do think there's power in sharing it, but it it can't just be willy-nilly. It needs to be right. in a safe environment with a safe That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is power in that. So for some of you guys who feel like, I don't want to talk about it, I want to talk about it, I'm going to say to you, and that's one thing we have inside of our membership, we have a space where it's a trigger warning space where they can go in and literally write it out the way they feel it with all the emotions and without all the fluff or the I'm trying because we tend to when we have a story we tend to share it in a way where we don't hurt the other person or we're cautious for them and we're like no throw that to the wind share it the way you want to and then the people in the community can come and read it if they want to and I think there's power in that the other thing is that 
what I'm thinking when you're talking about these babies and moms who experience birth trauma, like obviously I'm thinking about maybe a baby who's in a wonky position in the birth canal for a long time or a forceps delivery or an episiotomy delivery, something where the natural process, the natural flow of delivery is interrupted in some way. Am I on the right track when with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's just tough because I think you could have the also the quote unquote perfect birth, let's say. I have yet to know one that a mom is like, absolutely, everything went exactly how I wanted. I've heard a lot of people say, my birth was amazing, but then you start asking questions and and then they start releasing things, which is so great for them and their baby to be able to feel that it is a safe space and to be able to talk about it. And I'm so glad that you said that because there are friends and I had people reaching out from high school that I hadn't talked to in years that had asked about my first story. And I'm like, I don't really want to share this with you. I'm not ready to share that because I need to feel validated in the process that my body went through, that my baby's story. I wasn't sharing my kid's name on social media, but they were asking about (laughs) my birth story at day three, I didn't feel like that was a safe space. Obviously, exactly. Right. Yeah. So those are the situations. And that could be some of your best friends that you just don't feel for whatever reason that you want to share that, but to be able to have a safe space with your providers, with postpartum groups and to share trigger warnings, I think is also super important because I have been a part of postpartum groups, running the postpartum group, pregnant at the end of my journey and not wanting to hear birth stories, which was really tough because I'm running the group. So of course I'm like, I feel like I have to, but it's just good to be able to put trigger warnings out there because maybe a mom is not in a mental space to handle that that day even. And then maybe the next day she is. And the flip side is there's two parts of that I've learned in this postpartum community is that you've got the moms who experienced birth trauma who don't want to hear what they consider is the perfect birth. And like you said, there isn't one. So then the mom who feels like, oh my gosh, her birth was so horrific. I don't want to share mine because I don't want to make her feel bad about my good birth. But in all reality, there's a space. And, you know, what I've loved to see is I've seen my moms who've had, when they share their births, like we're all weeping because it really is just, and I'm talking like beyond just being ignored or your provider, which does huge things, huge trauma. But I'm talking about some moms who like their babies have long lasting results from their birth, whether it's lack of oxygen or what have you, all the way to these moms who go in and rip roar, have the baby in an hour and a half. And it's seemingly perfect to this mom, but to this mom, she's super traumatized because it was like mind blowing what happened to her and she had no control over it. So there is a wide range and And being able to have that safe place and for these moms to come together and realize like we're all affected in different ways and like growing together. This is just a whole side note. But anyway, um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is what do we do on the front side? Like I obviously, I think we've invited you to come in and do like a workshop inside of our community. I would love for you to do that because I think letting the moms know, empowering them with the information like here, if you find yourself, let's say with a tongue tie or a lip tie, don't go straight to the repair, come to me. 
So we need, that's where I think the power will be because we all know, let's just be real, your, your obstetrician, your midwife, most of the time is not going to say, oh, you're having pelvic pain, go see a physical therapist. They're going to say, oh, it's just a normal part of pregnancy. Or in, in your case, like they're not going to say, hey, let's be preemptive and have this scheduled. And so I think that's where the power will be is educating moms prenatally while they're pregnant. So that if these situations arise, they already know what to do. Absolutely. And I honestly, I'm glad you brought up even midwives who I absolutely love. It's baffling to me that some of these, the ones in our local community are having moms go do prenatal visits at the tongue-tied physician's office because maybe they already had a baby that had one. So they're already just sending them straight to that without body work, without chiropractic care, any anything. And it just, I'm like, how, how is this? We're supposed to be non-intervening per se. Yeah. Until that point is necessary. And I totally believe that it is necessary for some babies but to just jump to that, I don't think, obviously, because of what I don't think that's the answer. And to have, I don't know, midwives and some even like IDCLCs just sending them straight to get released without anything in between, it's just mind blowing to me. I think that's an important thing to note is that interventions are necessary when they're needed but let's figure out the natural process the natural flow of pregnancy and birth and what i really love is this movement towards chiropractic care and prenatal massage and postnatal massage and infant massage we actually we have a team doula she's our community manager And as a team, we decided to get her trained in infant massage. And so that's something we offer once a month. She's instructing the parents. She's not doing it. But we felt like that was really important. And I'll tell you, looking back, I have two children that have two two and a quarter (laughs) because one did. But they had major GI issues. And I really wish that I had known about chiropractic care and prenatal massage and all these things that I could have done to help them rather than going straight to medication and straight to the extreme. Because maybe that would have set them up. Two of them still have digestive issues now. One is an adult and one is a teenager. And I just wonder like what that would have done for them if I had taken them to a chiropractor, if I had explored that side of the natural process and working with our bodies to figure out how do we handle this instead of going to medications and procedures and all of these like invasive things. And I love that you're saying like, okay, let's lay this foundation of knowledge so that these moms know all right, if you hear or you think that the baby has a lip or tongue tie or digestive issues. So we've talked a lot about lip and tongue tie. So tell me about digestive issues. How does that help with that? I wanted to add one thing on the back end first. I remembered what I was going to say was we need to be able to see in those first couple days too the function of the 
milk coming in. We haven't even seen that. So to be sending babies before we even get to see what that looks like is wild to me. And again, there's very rare cases, but they're rare and we're sending them more often than rare. So I did want to add that in. I just want to ask you a question. So from my experience and with my students and my members and my membership, I feel like they're more often than not getting treated later than initially. Is it more common for them to wait to treat it? Or is it more common to treat it in the first couple of days? Because I feel like I've seen the opposite, that they usually wait. I guess it's like 50-50, but I just, it's just happening too much, I think, on the front end as well, within days. Yeah, it's just happening enough to talk about at least here, but... There is a lot of weight also. Okay. Uh, So both. Okay. And do you feel like in those cases, this is when the staff or the pediatrician in the hospital is catching it? Because I feel like it gets missed a lot. I think some people don't think it's real. And I think that's a big problem that we have. It's either not real and it's a fad and your pediatrician says, no, that's not there, even though your IBCLC may have said hey, let's get this evaluated. Or here's some things we can do. Here's some body work. This is a great chiropractor. And then your pediatrician says, no, those aren't real. That's That stinks for that mom because now she's now one. And then the other end of that is, okay, these are definitely real, but I'm going to just do body work. And maybe body work only takes you so far because a release does need to happen. And so it's just really one or the other instead of, coming together and having conversations like this and saying every single baby is different. They're not going to be all cookie cutter in their plan, even when it comes to oral tension, oral function, oral ties. Because the other thing too, is if you think of breastfeeding issues as an ocean and a fish, we'll say, we're picking out one fish and that is tongue tie to say, oh, this problem. But there's other things that go into play too. Like mom may need a lactation massage because maybe she's super engorged. So maybe that would help her breasts and would also help baby. Maybe they both need chiropractic care, cranial sacral fascial therapy, all of these things and helping the gut, the hips, not just oral tension and oral ties. We're only looking at one part. So that's another issue that we have is there's not a ton of providers. I feel like I found a really good circle and really good community that are looking at the entire body. But as a whole, I don't feel like there's a ton of providers that look at everything. I, for instance, switching over to a different body per se. I have a lot of people that come to me and their babies have had torticollis and they've already worked with a PT and the PT has not touched the lower body. Whatsoever. So explain what that is for those people. Okay, listening. so torticollis, there are different variations of this. Maybe it might be slight or more, I don't want to say dramatic, but enough, yeah, pronounced, where the baby's head will only turn in one direction. And you'll see like this curve. I don't know if anybody is watching, but for the listeners, it's more of a curve and a tilt. And then a lot of times they'll only look in one direction and they really don't want to turn the other way, whether it's in tummy time or even when you're just like holding them, they really only want to face one way and you can really tell that it's tension. So that would be 
part of torticollis. And a lot of people do see PT for that. But again, they're not even assessing lower body and hips. Some are, but not all of them. Yeah, because it makes sense if they have all that tension that the ten- they're going to hyper use other areas or movement, which will create tension in other areas. So that makes a lot of sense because I think we all do that when we favor something. Absolutely. It's honestly one of the reasons why I stepped out of massage as a whole, because I felt like people were coming to me and maybe they had a shoulder injury or neck injury, something like that. And then I would find that their tension, their fascia was actually wound up in their hips. But they want me to just work on the shoulder. And so I really stepped, one of the reasons why I feel like I stepped out of it is because I wanted people to come to me and see me more as the provider that I want to talk this through. I want to be a part of the plan, just like I want you to be a part of the plan because it's your body. And I totally respect that. And it's not that I'm saying I wouldn't work on the shoulder if that's what's hurting, but we need to assess the entire body rather than one part and coming in and saying, my shoulder hurts, we need to work on that, I want you to use this amount of pressure, I want you to dig deep, instead of saying, what does your body need, and starting there. And it's the same for our babies, instead of just saying, obviously, I can see that my baby only wants to turn one way. I'm going to assess the entire body because I want to see what are your hips doing. I've had babies that has, again, started to open up through their neck and through latching, what we call the gape, <laughs> latching, just from working on the hips and then working my way up. So it's all connected. I love that. I love that so much. So we've talked a lot about some reasons why people might want to come see you and why they should, but what can they expect afterwards, after having the, it's CFT, correct? After they've had the CFT (laughs) therapy, what can these mamas expect with their babies? That's such a hard one because it depends on that birth story, right? It depends. I have people ask all the time, how many times do I come see you? It's tough to say. The younger they are, I don't necessarily feel like I'll need as many sessions. So much changes and in that first few days. As they get older, if a baby has waited to see me, we have now added things on. We've added on more tension and more stress. And I don't say that as a bad thing or a place of guilt at all for not seeing me sooner, but it's just the reality of we probably are going to have to do a little bit more work. What I'm finding is most babies under um, that first year need five to eight sessions. And that is also talking to Dr. Barry. I had the pleasure of speaking with in November. He is the one that came up with cranial sacral fascial therapy. And it was just an incredible conversation because he doesn't even teach anymore. When I got certified, he wasn't a teacher. He does his own thing now and he supervises all of that, but he doesn't travel around. He's much older now. And so he's not accessible to just get on the phone with, but he called me because he's, I've seen you all over Instagram. It's so cool to see someone young doing this so early on. And I'm one of three people in the state that do this. And as of right now, I'm the only one taking individual sessions for infants specifically. So he just called to thank me, but I got to ask questions with him too. And that was one of them. How many sessions are you seeing with these babies? 
And he said about five to eight. And that's what I'm seeing too. So it was just cool to see what he said. And then afterwards, so much can change in one session. You can really start to see them regulate. Babies that are typical colic that are screaming all the time are now being able to sleep and be much more. Hell yeah, that's calm. a reason. This is a reason to come <laughs> yeah. see you right there because yeah. we talk about that a lot in our community. A screaming baby can drive you mad, especially when you're sleep deprived, your boobs hurt, your booty hurts, everything's sore, and then your baby is screaming. So that's huge. But I want to touch on something. So you just said you're one of three in your state. So how do these moms find someone if it's so rare? We're hoping that more people get certified. So let me ask you one more question because you mentioned toddlers. Like in what cases would someone who obviously their baby is now older, they've missed this, but they're like, oh my gosh, this could really benefit. I think this could benefit my baby, is there an age limit or is this something adults could do? Absolutely. And I think I was going to touch on that earlier and totally forgot, but absolutely. It's never too late to do this type of work. If you haven't had it, probably a great thing to look into, especially as adults. We have so much emotional trauma. I don't know anyone that does not. And if you are someone that you don't feel like you do, that's awesome. (laughs) But, and that means you probably had some. You're probably in denial. Body work for that, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll let you say that. But I honestly think that everybody needs it. Toddlers, a lot of toddlers come to see me because of the same sort of regulations throughout their system because you've got to think it impacts your entire central nervous system, but it also impacts your parasympathetic. And for those that don't know, that's your fight or flight. So, anxiety, anxiousness. And so a lot of toddlers, we get into vagus nerve work. And I do it on the babies too. But for toddlers, it's awesome to see them just melt. I've had kids come in, they're super hyper, and I start working on their vagus nerve, and they really start like just relaxing it. And mom's, oh my goodness, my kid is never this calm. Can you come live with me? It's just really cool to see with toddlers, what it can do to their nervous system and in regards to really helping them regulate that. And it goes over bedwetting, GI issues, development. There's so much. It sounds endless because it really is. It affects our entire body, the way that the fascia gets wound up. So part of that too, and this is a little nerdy, so this might skip over some of your guys' heads and that's totally okay. I tell my moms this too when I explain this. But the cerebral spinal fluid, which is a large part of your central nervous system, right, it flows through fascia. So if your fascia is tight and wound up, it's not going to be able to flow through your body the way that we want it to and the way that we want to see your body operate, right? So, yeah, that's huge. And it's not going to just impact toddlers or babies, but adults too. And our fascia holds memory. So there's also that. So going back to birth story, birth trauma, all the way through our entire lives, if we've never had that worked out, you probably need that. I've had a mom on my table before. She was seven years postpartum. I started working on her, started working on her like pelvis and asking her about her birth story. She knows I work on a ton of babies. And at the time I was doing a ton of moms as well. 
Okay, so we've covered so much. And some of this, I know you and I have gotten off on some tangents because it's really fascinating for me as a educator, online educator, as a nurse and as a mom, because I'm thinking, man, do I need to take Grayson and do this? Because he definitely has some sleep issues with snoring and a little bit of anxiety and, and mouth breathing and all the things. So to wrap up this, what are a couple things that you think moms need to think of while they're pregnant and that immediate postpartum with their newborns, what would you tell them? I would tell them to do this work as soon as they can with their newborns. I think all of our birth stories are so powerful and amazing, but they all have trauma to them. And they're all our story, but they're their story too. So the sooner that you can do this, do it. If you feel like, oh man, I already waited, my kid is now a toddler or maybe even a teenager, it's not too late to still go back and do some of this work. You will still see changes. I work up to 13 years old and and that's just because if I don't put an age gap or if I don't put an age on it, I would never be able to work on all the babies because I would be busy for the entire year. So that's the only reason that I have an age on it, but there's, yeah, you can do so, this throughout. One last thing. Sorry to interrupt you. How do, no, you're fine. how do, how does, what is that noise? It's bingy. It's the adjustment table. Okay. I knew this was possible, but she only uses it like maybe once a day. So I was like, it should be fine. Of All right. Course. All right. So let lies get rid of that. Okay, so let me ask you, how does a mom find someone who does this? Is there a website? Is there a way to find someone? Yes, they can go on the Gillespie Facebook group, and you can just search at the top your state, your city, and it should pop up previous conversations that have yours already tagged. The other thing that you can do if you don't see that is just ask, is there anyone in Phoenix, Arizona? And then you'll see my name pop up or you'll see okay. Amy Field's name pop up. But that's the easiest so, way is to go on Facebook. Okay, so I will link to that. If you'll send me that link, I'll put it in the show notes Absolutely. so you guys can find it and other information to be able to find Charity. Her business name is Cocoon to Bloom. And if you're not following our Instagram, I totally recommend that you do because it's very interesting. I, your reels kept popping up for me and I was like, what is this magic? <laughs> what is this? I love watching them. It's very fascinating to watch it. So thank you so much for coming today. I am so glad to have you. And for those of you guys who are wondering, what is the ruckus in the background? Charity is at work and another <laughs> therapist is busy doing therapy. So we've got to hear that. So thank you so much for coming today, Charity. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I definitely had fun on here. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the birth experience with Labor Nurse Mama, where we talked about cranial facial therapy. That's a mouthful. I really love how many of you take initiative on not just settling for this is just how it is and taking that power and going and exploring different options. So go you. As always, I'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye for now.